You're listening to Toxic Workplace. My name is Carly. I'll be your host, and I'm so glad you decided to listen in. I'm excited to share this interview with my very dear friend, Stacy. Stacy's experience in a toxic workplace dealt with what many of you might call mean girls. It's interesting to me because I've never dealt with this kind of work environment in high school, yes, but never in a professional setting. Stacy worked at one of the largest nonprofits in the United States, and as you'll hear in the interview, this had been her dream job since she was a teenager. Before we get to the interview with Stacy, I'd like to say that we are looking for guests for our show, so if you have a story to tell and would like to be on the show, please go to our website, toxicworkplacepodcast.com, and click on Contact. Please fill out the contact submission and I'll send you an intake form and we'll go from there. All right. So here is my interview with Stacy. Welcome everyone to our very first episode. I have Stacy here. Stacy is pretty far removed from this toxic workplace. Yes, luckily I did leave the workplace. It's been 12 years now. I was there from 08 to 09. So tell us a little bit about how you started your career, what where you were before the toxic workplace, and then make your way into the interview process, and then what it was like, how long you were there, and, and the floor is yours. So I actually became aware of... This company was a nonprofit, and it actually goes all the way back into high school when I just had like a little part-time gig working at a tanning salon, and I would have customers come in for the tanning beds, and there were two girls that seemed so fun and full of life, and, you know, they had these pretty cars, and, you know, I find out that they worked for this nonprofit organization. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, that seems like the coolest job ever. And I was like 16, 17 at the time. Like, wow, that would be, I want to be that girl or those girls. And when I went away to school, I did actually intern at a different nonprofit organization and I had a really great experience. And my first job out of college was awful. It was actually a different toxic workplace that Maybe I'll talk about another time. Um, Very toxic. Hated the job. I was miserable there and I was looking for anything. And lo and behold, I see a job posting come up for that nonprofit organization. The same one that you saw at the tanning salon. Correct. Where those girls were. And actually, the position was for replacing one of those girls. She was moving to another state. And they were relocating her and her position was coming open. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. This is meant to be. This is my dream job. This is my dream job. I can't even believe that this is like, and again, I'm desperate to get out of my current work situation. And I'm like, I'll see you bitches later. Like, I've made it. I've made it. So, yeah. So it was um, literally her position and Like I said, she'd been probably doing it for at least 10 years. I don't really know. But she told the managers and the directors, you know, that she knew me and I was 
a good fit and she, she vouched for me basically. Was it a managerial position? Mine was not. It was described to me as more of an administrative role on a team and we were all working towards one goal together and I was just kind of a different part of that team and my role was a little bit different on that team and everyone had their own part to play and their own contributions to make on the team and mine was going to be what my predecessor was doing Mm -hmm. exactly so that's how the role was described to me and yeah I got the role and I I think a lot of it was because she vouched for me and then Maybe at that time they didn't have a whole lot of good candidates coming in. And what was, was your first impression of them at the interview when you went in? Other than being nervous, and they were very setting. nice. They were very nice. It was the executive supervisor of the entire branch, and then my direct, who became my direct supervisor. So it was both of them in the interview, and they were both nice, but. My answers were not the best, and I felt that, and the executive director was actually very pleasant the whole way through. My direct supervisor, I could tell, was not really crazy about my answers, and I feel like maybe if that girl hadn't vouched for me, I might not have gotten the job because I could tell she would kind of side-eye the executive a couple times, like, you know, she wasn't really crazy about the answers that I was given, but kind of went with the flow anyway, because the executive seemed to really like me. Which the side-eye chick would eventually be the one that was causing the hostility and one of them. one of them. And she was my direct supervisor. So it was, you know, yes, I was working directly under her and having to deal with that, correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they made you the offer. You're like sayonara suckers to the old place. I've made it. This is... (laughs) And I even remember saying, like, this is the job I've been wanting. This is what I've been working for. You know, this is like, I I think I even said it was like, this is my dream job. This is what I went to school for. All coming to fruition. All coming to fruition. Life is good. And it was it was downtown in the city that you worked or so it was kind of like a a cool, trendy area. You get your own office. It was like, we're all going to have so much fun here. And like, we're a big part of it was my first job out of school. The other toxic place was a big corporation. And that comes with with its own things. But I really liked that this was a nonprofit because I felt like I was doing good with my time. Because as you know, you spend so much of your life at work and... I felt like putting that time into something that matters and then I'm giving back to the community and to the world. And if I'm going to work this nine to five, I want it to be doing something for the greater good. And so I was also really excited about that thought prospect. Okay. So you've got stars in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You're buying new clothes to show up at your, <laughs> your new... Get a new apartment. Right. Every 20-something-year-old's dream, mm-hmm. and and you're living it. So you show up first day, first week, first month, and how does it match up with your expectations? What are some of the things you noticed? 
maybe right off the bat, red flags, anything strike you um, right away? They were definitely very nice girls. I should preface it. I think in the whole office of our branch, there was probably 25 people. There was only one male. So very female dominated, which actually is really interesting because as I'll describe that dynamic with all of those women turned out to be very catty. Whereas the job I was coming from was 20 girls and one guy in my sales department and we got along great. Really, my coworkers at that place were the only good part of that job. I mean, we all got along. There was no backstabbing or anything versus this place where there was a ton of that. So anyway, they they were all very nice girls. Nice on the surface. Correct. I was just going to say they were definitely like surface nice. I never really felt like it was genuine or that I quite fit in. And I don't know why. I felt that way. I because felt... there was no depth. If it was surface yeah. nice, then people are only being nice to get what they want <clears throat> or to get ahead or to use you for information. Or usually if people are surface nice, there's a hidden agenda there, whether it's your equal peer or a manager. Yeah, uh, I it's... think it was like, I felt like I couldn't really be myself. And I felt like when I was myself, they would like talk about me when I wasn't around type of things. It was almost like just to like make fun of me or something. And I don't know why I felt that way. And I don't have any evidence that like proves that, or I don't have a story that I like walked in on them all <laughs> laughing at me. I just felt it was a it. gut instinct, a gut instinct. And it was all just kind of, I didn't like, I, I just didn't blend in. One thing that I found that was really important in the office and not only in my department, but in all the departments of the entire place was your marital status. And I was 24, 25 at the time and single, didn't have a boyfriend or anything. I think I was the only, literally only single person in the entire office. Everyone was married or had a serious boyfriend or engaged, but I would say 95% of them were married. That's so interesting. What was the age range, would you say? Young. Yeah. That 20, I, if I was 24, I would say these girls were like anywhere from 28 to 32. So very, very young professionals. They'd only been in the game maybe two or three years longer than I had, but all of them had husbands. So that was something that everyone kind of bonded over was you know, their husband and, and they're doing this and they're doing that. And, and again, I was only 24, 25. And looking back, I remember thinking like, oh, I should be married by now I'm 25 and it's like okay <laughs> so looking back it's like that's young yeah that, that is, is young. so young and just being a woman myself that has lived through her 20s I do feel like a lot of women in their 20s there's this big push to get married and to have kids in our mm-hmm. society it's almost like they attach their value or worth to the status of are they are they able to have a mate oh you're not normal if you haven't you didn't get a serious boyfriend so then there's this oh yeah there's this which is very well, interesting very that it was conversation too i mean they were a part always of like your worth in the the workplace for sure 
I, I feel like that was like a, maybe an insecurity of mine that I didn't have anything serious and they all did. And that was all they talked about. So then it was kind of like, well, gosh, I need to find someone. Right. And I did. <laughs> you know. And then dropped them quickly. After. <laughs> and that only lasted a year too. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a very, very important dynamic for them and something that they would constantly talk about and, and feed and you, into and that. You feel, and yeah. you do feel left out when they talk about what their husband cooked the night before and what their, and by the way, I should mention only a handful of them had kids. Most of them were just married, no kids yet. Yeah, so almost like a sorority, like yeah. a, a sorority sisterhood of superficial, surfacey relationships. Mm-hmm. Your value is connected to if you're able to attract a guy, and then if you're an independent woman that does her own thing and doesn't worry about that, then you're the odd oh, yeah. woman out. For sure. Because they would do like out of work get togethers, like cookouts or cornhole things or whatever. And it's like, you know, all of them are bringing a partner and then I'm showing up so, like solo. So. So the, the leader then, mm-hmm. how would you describe the, the structure or the, the hierarchy? Like you, did you have that one side eyed interview chick? She was in charge of. She was in charge of me and four other girls on our team. And. I think my first impression of her was like, oh, she's super cool to work for. Like, she seemed very, like, lax. And looking back on it, even, you know, working with her or under her for a year, I don't know. She never was the best fit to be a manager. It was like she was trying to be more of a friend than a leader or a manager, but somehow got that role as the manager. Like she fell into like it. She kind of she fell got into lucky. it, but she wasn't quite right for it. Right. Um, and how did they pick that? I mean, who did they have an HR department? Did they have another manager above her that would then handpick somebody? That was all a mystery to me. I really was kept in the dark on a lot of things. I do believe the executive who was in my initial interview would pick and they do like to promote from within so i i think she was promoted from within somehow but she really wasn't there that much longer i mean it wasn't like she was a tenured employee she was probably only there a year or two like i said these girls only had maybe two three years tops under their belts of of a professional career yeah okay so so you all even the, the, quote, lower level and, quote, higher level managers, it, it's not like a, a law firm or, or a CPA firm where you start as a staff and then you work your way up based on your technicality. Not at all. Not at all. These girls had the same degree as me. They just graduated college in 05 and I graduated in 07. They were hired into these higher quote, higher roles than I was. Okay. So had that role been open when you were applying and you had the right connections there, you could have easily been... I could have just been just fine, you know? Yeah. Um, But again, I never... It was never described as being a lower position and I never saw it as a lower position. And when I saw what that girl who I knew was doing, it never came off that way. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was just as important and fun of a 
role is everyone else there? You're so on a I, team. Everybody's equally everybody's, contributing to yes. a part to the, the sure. team as a whole. Yeah. What did they really have you do or what was the mismatch there? So I was doing a different role from everyone else. Like I was more of the administrative and behind the scenes type of stuff. And I feel like even that in itself was very alienating because those girls were out on the road, quote, fundraising. But I think they were probably getting together for lunch and stuff. And I'm stuck back at the office emailing all of their team captains for them and things like that. So like their assistant, like an administrative assistant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I felt like just this the sense of their work hours versus my work hours or their work location versus my work location or just the fact that I'm the only one on the team doing this different set of tasks alienated me from everyone else right away. And then it became more and more obvious that I was like just kind of this assistant. Some of the work they would have me do, I thought, was intern level, which even as an intern, I don't think it's, I mean, this isn't New York City. <laughs> Devil words, Prada type of. Right. Like, I don't I don't think it's ever okay to, like, have someone do right. your coffee runs. Yes, right. And Degrading. Correct. Yeah. So intern or not, I, I've never really believed. I mean, I can get my own. So what kinds of things would they have you do? I would have Subway runs, like the sandwich, like Subway, the sandwich runs. But, you so know, what, like everyone's like, hey, we're ordering Subway and we're going to have uh, my... Stacy go get it for us? <laughs> it was like my manager was in a meeting and she's like, we're really busy. Can you run and get us Subway so we can like keep meeting? Right. Mm-hmm. Not like, hey, Stacy, are you busy? Would you mind please doing us a right. favor? And then they didn't even offer me a sub. It's <laughs> <laughs> so to like come back without a sub for myself. Okay. Like, oh, and while you're out, just grab yourself yeah, something. and grab yourself something. That right. would have been a nice thing to say. Right. But no, it was like, here's what we want. And they already had it written down. Like, they knew I couldn't say no. So yeah. it's like, but I felt like embarrassed to even, like, you know, they called me into the office and all the eyes are looking on me. Like the then, meeting room. Yes. Yeah. And then it was like, you Everyone's know, all quiet are... looking at you taking the subway order. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then we would have um, these big executives come in like quarterly to do these meetings. And they made it, made it such a big deal out of these meetings, but they would have me in the morning print out the menu of whatever lunch spot everyone <laughs> wanted. So if it was like Jimmy John's, they'd have me printing out the Jimmy John's menu and then passing But they it. asked you or they just said, hey. It was just kind of like. Hey, this is yeah, what, print out the... what you're going to need to do for this meeting to get it prepared. So you'll get everyone's lunch kind of going for everyone. So we can all keep working. Right. Because we're doing the like important brainstorming part. And you're so why kinda... weren't you included in the meeting? I, I mean, I was. I, I was. Well, I so was... you were in the meeting, but then they still had you do all of yes. the food runs. I was in the meeting, but I was taking the minutes. Okay, so the administrative piece of the meeting, Correct. which is not the job description that no. you 
applied to. You thought you were going in as an equal teammate to these people that were in the meeting and they somehow formed you into this (laughs) administrative assistant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that was the other thing. It was like, if you want to feel less than have some big wigs come in from another office and then you're handing out their food menu (laughs) and then you're picking it up and leave and excusing yourself from the meeting to go order it online and then sneak back in. And then, you know, when Jimmy yeah, in John's, the middle of a important conversation and no and one's you, even acknowledging yeah. you because they're all talking and you're just the, you're the just, waitress. Correct. You're grabbing everyone's menu. And then, you know, when Jimmy John's rings the doorbell, make sure you're kind of listening for that. So you can go grab the door. <laughs> Here's the thing. I hated those meetings because it was, it was like the most embarrassing thing. Like, like I said, if you want to feel yeah. less than... Right, degrading. Oh my God, degrading. Like, you know, with the big wigs, you know, that you're... Tr- mm, oh, yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're so... <laughs> you know, and you're <laughs> drink. Uh, you had extra mayo. Oh, it wasn't made right? Like, I don't have no tomato. And it literally was... It was about that bad. It was like, you know, Jill, he had the diet. <laughs> I mean, like, it wasn't so bad where if if you got the order wrong, they'd, like, throw it, you know? Like, it was... (laughs) No. No. They were, like I said, they were always nice. Nice. But but that's a passive-aggressive sort of... It's almost a... uh, We see ourselves as highly important. Right. And you're an easy target because you're the type of person that is a giving and you, yes. you won't speak your mind right off the bat. It takes a lot to really push you. And I mean, I guess, you know, in hindsight, who was going to go get the lunches right. for this big meeting? I don't know. But then I they, mean, like, but I guess it could have been me, but like anyone, I mean, even the super, you know what? I run a company now. I get people's lunches yes. now. Right. So, you could have taken turns. Absolutely. You could have had the, you know, the manager do it. As a manager now, I do it for my staff. Absolutely. We, I take lunch orders yes. for my staff now. Yes. So, and run out and get it. Or and you I take run, turns. Oh, you better believe on the yeah. weekends I'm picking up jugs of lemonade. Right. So that my girls have something to eat on or drink on Monday. Yes. So I take the Panera orders now. Right. Because you know mm-hmm. that making somebody feel like a gopher for sure is a humiliating and degrading, and that's not how you make an employee feel like they're developing or they're valued or there's a chance that they could grow at a company, which is how you want all employees to feel like, I found a place that values me, and mm-hmm. they're going to foster my growth. Yes. Absolutely. And that's not what I can wait tables all through college. That's not what I came to the nonprofit to do. (laughs) So what other than the food getting, were there any other things you can remember? I mean, I know this was 12 years ago, but any other degrading wise? Yeah. Not that I can think of. Well, so we had a conversation before we started recording and you mentioned, and I thought this was very just to show you how they, how much they devalued you is your job there was based on an annual event. Mm -hmm. And so I would think anybody working on an annual event would then be at the annual event and they 
made you stay at the office. For so part of it, yes. Go into that a little bit. So the big part of my job was collecting the money envelopes. I'm all good with collecting money envelopes and depositing it into the bank. We had one very large fundraising event that we worked on. And it was so large that you had a whole team that would work on it for 12 months and then have this fundraiser and then do it all again. I'm all good with getting the cash, getting the checks, taking it to the bank. Which, was there an accounting department? I that Not locally, no. Okay. So that was the whole thing. That also in your job description that you would be doing accounting functions or, hey, you're going to be handling the change? Um, it, it was that I would be handling money. And so they were looking for someone who was able to handle money and be trustworthy with it. And I, I mean, it's tons of cash. I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars in cash that were coming in and you have to trust someone with it. Mm-hmm. I did know that I would be handling money. What I didn't know was that I would be handling bags of pennies and change. These girls would come back and literally drop off plastic grocery bags of change, loose change. All to you. To me. And then would, you know, and sometimes... Instead of making everybody count their own bag. That would be... Right? Huge in my In my head, if you are, if you're in charge of collecting money... Maybe they count their money and then confirm and, it, and then, and then confirm I confirm it, it or right. something. Yes, not so, just all on you. Because the the team captains would turn in the money to our rep. That's what they're out running and getting. If they're saying there's fifty bucks in this envelope, to me, the director should have confirmed that there's fifty bucks in the envelope and then turned it into me. But instead, they're not confirming. I was in charge of confirming. I had to then confirm it with another administrative girl who was not really on our team, but in a different department. Was she truly administrative or she just, like her job title was administrative? She was the exact same job title as me, but worked on a different event. Okay. So she would have to confirm. Well, we couldn't take anything to the bank because our numbers matched. If our numbers didn't match, we had to sit there with thousands, tens of thousands of dollars and try and find the discrepancy. So I was sitting there literally rolling pennies and quarters and nickels into rolls. The money would trickle in, you know, a couple months before. You'd have a couple checks here, a couple checks there. The closer it gets, the more people fundraise and go, oh, yeah, you know, here's all our money. Mm -hmm. So then it starts coming in in, like, droves, like Mm -hmm. crazy. And my boss comes in one day and is like, I got you something special. And I'm like, what? It was like a change sorting machine, but like a cheap one, not like a nice <laughs> one, like a cheap plastic, like kids. Like, like where you put the coins in the top and it like tells yes. you how much is in the jar. Correct. But like a kid's one. Yeah. So like it wouldn't count them right because I would then have to, I'd be like nervous. So I would like double check what the machine right. was saying and the machine would be wrong because oh it was a toy. Gosh, it was like a kid's garbage. toy. It was junk. Yeah. It was, it would get stuck and like, you know, so that didn't help. And so. Anything that you didn't process that day or that you didn't deposit in the bank would have to go into the safe downstairs. Well, first of all, 
my boss isn't ever asking any questions on all of this money or how are you doing with it? Or, hey, did you ever get through that whole bag of change that I saw Brooklyn drop off? Because that looked like a lot of change. Did you get through all of that? I would have said, no, I didn't. There's and then sp- not like, do you need any help with that? No. Is that getting in the way she of never, doing your other true well, obligations? Well, and that was the other thing. We had, not only were we counting money, I had other things that I was getting ready. I mean, I had to get the newsletter out and I had to, whatever I was doing, this was just on top of it. And it was never once said, like, this all needs to be done by a certain date or let me know if you can't get it all done. She, again, she's seen all this money come in. She sees how the cash huge amounts of cash and checks knowing it's funneling through you through me and the other admin i was never given a date that all of the money needed deposited or all of these checks need processed or anything like that i was just told whatever you don't get to put in the safe and get to it later so come to find out the day or two before the event you know they're looking at how much money is there and they're like this doesn't seem like enough and then I'm like oh well there's a ton of money in the safe that I haven't processed yet and it was like what so (laughs) apparently she went and talked to her supervisor about it because apparently I did I didn't even know it but I did something wrong type of thing and she came and had like a sit down with me and again I'm being blind I think I'm doing like just fine I'm like I'm getting as much cash and checks deposited every day as I possibly can. Yeah. And then when I can't, I'm putting in the same. <clears throat> I'm doing what I was yeah. told. So right. I'm totally blindsided by this. And she's like, well, we found out that my predecessor was taking the money home and processing it. And I remember thinking like, well, I mean, that's a great way to steal money for one. Yeah. But even it- still, my rule or that you guys told me my rule was I have to have it all kosher with my other admin before I can take it to the bank. So how is it that she's able to make these deposits without anyone else checking what she was doing? So it was like really fishy. And again, I didn't know I was in trouble. I thought I was doing a really great job. So clearly they didn't set out the process for you up front in in a concrete way of here's the process, here's the rules, you can't take it home, Uh, you you can put it in the safe, but you have to have it at least out of the safe by this time. It needs to be done before the day of the event. Let me know if you need help. Nothing like that. And that's kind of how her leadership was. It was very much like that where I didn't know but would get in trouble after the fact type of thing. Is this side-eye chick? Yes. Okay. So she, the day of the event, has me stay back at the office to, like, get all of this money out of the safe with a couple of the other girls that are in the office. Now, my admin, who was double-checking my checks and balances this whole time, was able to go to the event. And, you know, was texting me and, oh, it's a great time here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking like, well, why isn't she back with me? Why is she allowed to go? Which she had also gotten like a little mini promotion, by the way, at that point. So it was kind of like, you know, now she's in. She's in the circle. She's in, even though she was still a sorority click. Right. So it was like me back at the office. I was so upset. It was, I missed like half the event and I was just trying to like rush through it so I could get there because it was like everything I had worked for. Right. 
And here I am. And did they offer anybody to help you? Yeah, they did. They grabbed, like, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Because they had to grab people from other departments. Right. To stay back and help with all of this, like, cash. Yeah. And so now it's almost like it comes down on you. It was almost like a Stacy fucked up everyone and has tens of thousands of dollars in the safe. So you guys are going to have to stay back and help her count all of this money while literally the whole office is down at this event. You five, I think maybe four or five people had to stay back and like count it all. And it was very known that it was like, because I didn't do my job. Yeah. Not because I wasn't told or because we actually don't have a real process and the managers here are not clear about the expectations ahead of time. Because had you known this needs to be done before the date, you would have put in the extra time and work for sure to be able to go to the event. Or I would have said, hey, I don't have enough time to write up this newsletter. We've got so much money coming in. And again, a huge part of it was loose cash i mean was there ever a time that you did speak up and say i think we should do it this way or did you just go along with basically everything they they told you to do i was so young i i pretty much went along with everything i would complain to my other admin friend about it but i wouldn't say anything to management i just was really embarrassed honestly which is possibly why you were targeted because you were willing to just, I'll do whatever it takes. If someone asks me to do something, I'm going to do it and not question it because these people are in charge and I'm going to go along with it. So they see you as somebody maybe they can bury and and unload on. I also feel like when there's a click and you're not a part of it, you're really eager to please. Yes. So you're real trying to fit in. And if that means acting like super cool and like, yeah, nothing bothers me to get in with them instead of saying how you truly feel, which is like, you know, I don't like that you guys give me all this like loose cash like this and change and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, degrading to have me sit here and roll right. pennies. It's like mean girls. It's you're mm-hmm. trying to fit in with the mean girls. Yeah. And so you're willing to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And usually people like that are aware of people like you right. that are trying to please and get in and they take advantage of that. For Would sure. you say that was the case? Yes, absolutely. So were there other people that they quote targeted? or The other admin, the girl that would do the checks and balances with me was targeted probably worse than I was, believe it or not. By the same people or a, a different group? Um, Some of the same people, she worked more with another girl. This girl was on my team, but also more of like her boss. It was a weird situation, but she was nasty and very degrading, very degrading to my friend. Treated her like the scum of the earth. And my direct supervisor, who was in charge of both of them as an overseer, knew what was going on, saw it happening, never said a word, let it happen. And I was turned off at the fact that she would I always anything. Yeah, turn I a would, blind eye. Oh, for sure. Because when you turn a blind eye, that's setting the tone for other managers mm-hmm. to treat or bully mm-hmm. the lower level people, even though you weren't really lower level, your title was just not mm-hmm. as right. weighted as theirs was. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have any specific instances of her being nasty? The one that sticks out on my mind the most was she, the director, had spilled her own Starbucks on her desk and was literally screaming in the office. Everyone heard it. Everyone heard it. Screaming Sarah's name, my friend. She, Sarah to, was the other admin. Yes. Mm-hmm. To get in, to get paper towels and get in there and clean up her desk. So instead of her getting up and grabbing paper towels, she was literally screaming, Sarah, Sarah, I need paper towels, Sarah. In that nasty tone as well. Like I'm not even exaggerating that nasty tone. And I remember telling her, do not get up and get those paper towels. I do not. It's not right. And that was just, you know, she was nasty like that all the time. I mean, all the time. She had a city misspelled on a newsletter and she was so nasty about that. Like, how could you ever, there's, there's only one L, there's not two. And like, would just. She, this is what she, the manager was saying to Sarah. To Sarah, For a yeah. misspelling. Yes. Like, bad. Like, she was downright mean. First of all, everyone heard her yelling her name, including my boss, why she never had to sit down with her to say, you can't, you know, you don't have that kind of power. Mm -hmm. You can't talk to anyone. We're a team here. You and her, yeah, you're working with her. You need to give her respect. Sarah's your counterpart. She's not your slave. Yeah. You know, and she really did use that abuse and it really went to her head. And I don't know what it was that she and my boss had some kind of friendship or it was a click. There's no question. But at the same time, Sarah's boss was married to someone who worked for a sports team. And so he would get tickets that we could raffle off for our fundraisers or seats to a game that we could have the big Mm -hmm. wigs like at the bigger events or whatever to raise money. And he would donate these things. So was that why she kept her mouth shut? I think it was a combination of both. I think they were both mean girls. It was. It was the one. I mean, the girl yelling Sarah's name was like a Regina George. <laughs> right. Yeah. But she sees her husband's ties to the sports, sporting events as Maybe. her golden ticket or her leverage Probably. there. Yeah. Was, you know, don't ruffle feathers. Possibly. I mean, I can't imagine that a couple of seats to a basketball game would be that big of a deal. You'd be surprised. I mean, yeah. and trust me, that nonprofit uh, is raking in the dough. I'm sure they can afford some nice tickets to raffle off, but still. So in the structure of this nonprofit, with this nasty manager screaming at Sarah, she never did anything about it. Who could she have gone to that would have truly made a difference and then talked to her manager and said, we need to correct this. Was there any sort of human resources department or somebody in that office that could see this happening and then correct it? Not locally. It was such a big company that our HR department was in another state. I think I never talked to them. On my exit interview, it was some random person you know, from a department of six 
completely disconnected to your team oh, or totally disconnected yeah. for Sarah to have complained. She would have had to have gone over my direct supervisor's head to the executive to complain to her, which she then would have gone right back to my direct supervisor. And that was the other thing. There was a lot of like, you know, everyone knows what you said and everyone knows what you did. And right. So it would have been real clear, real quick that Sarah Who said something. Sarah went over her head and complained yes. to the executive because right. the executive's going to go right yeah. back down. So then that's the whole, no one wants to be a whistleblower because now you're going to be treated possibly worse. Mm-hmm. Well, you're out of the click. You're out of, you're out of the click. <laughs> and if you're out of the click, your life is kind of hell. So right. don't get out of that click. So that was, I mean, when you saw the screaming for the paper towel, and did Sarah get the paper towel? Oh, hell no. I think one of the other directors was like, I'll get them. And I was like, I... You know, someone needs to yell, hey. Get your own. Go get one. It's right over there on the counter. Right. Get up and get it. Everyone was like just silent, letting it happen. It was the most, God, it was such a bizarre thing. It was, it was like out of Devil Wears Prada. And you were like, this isn't even like real life right now. Like It's almost like a Devil Wears Prada in Mean Girls. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I think that, you know, I, like, I think that was the fear tactic of like, I'm not going to say anything because I want to fit in with these girls really bad. And I can tell that I don't fit in with them, which is weird because I normally do fit in with people. So I got to find a way to like fit in with everyone. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. And then it's the fake niceties of. And then I'm fake nice. Right. Because I'm trying to, you know, get get in everyone's good graces. First question is, how long were you there before you realized it was like that? And then how long... After you realized, did it take for you to leave? I would say it took about six months for me to realize that. Maybe eight to nine months in, I started asking if I could go into a different department. I felt like the other departments seemed a little more positive. I felt like I could grow a little bit more. I felt like I was really unhappy and stifled in the department that I was in. And I saw a lot of opportunities. Again, this was a huge, this is a, this is maybe the biggest or one of the probably top three largest nonprofits in the United States, literally. So I'm like, God, I mean, there's so many opportunities for me to grow my career at this place. If this isn't the right spot for me, then gosh, move me somewhere else and let's see if I can shine. And it was probably, like I said, eight or nine months in and I did ask for a transfer and they said no. They said I wasn't ready for it and I wasn't cut out for it, just that they would work with me a little bit more in that department. And who did you ask? It was your direct supervisor? Yes. And that that was her response to you? She went and supposedly talked to the executive. Right, which doesn't make any sense because if you want to be removed from her team Mm -hmm. and she needs you, it's clearly not looking out for your best interest. No. How are you going to get removed from that team if you have to go through her? I don't think she was a fan of me. I don't think she liked me. Right. So I'm surprised that she wasn't like happy to get rid of me. (laughs) Right. But she also is enjoying having you be the sub gopher and the penny counter and, and for you to think you're too good and you're going to go somewhere else. I don't think so. Exactly. And I had befriended someone in the other department that I was asking to be transferred to. I I became kind of close with her and I was like, you know, I think I would be a better fit 
And I think she would probably train me and teach me a little bit better. And she had told me like, hey, you know, because she was a director, but she had two girls under her. And one of those girls was leaving. And she said, hey, you should try and see if you can come and work in my department. And I was thinking like, oh my God, yeah, like I get along great with her. I think I, she would show me the ropes. I think I would have done very well in that role. And she could have easily trained me into it. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to ask. And when I asked, it was shut down. And there's something in me that they don't see as potential for that department. And, you know, they're going to work with me in that my current department to try and get me up to snuff. And I was just kind of like, I thought it was weird because my background is sales and that role was going to be very much sales. And so I thought that seemed like a big disconnect, but then I was like, well, there must be some kind of personality component in me that they don't think is right. So now you're second guessing yourself. Yeah. And how would they even know what your potential was if they're giving you jobs and, and, you know, run around errand type work? How do they even know what you're capable of? So it's like a no win situation. And I feel like if I were doing it now, 37 years old, I probably would have done a lot of things in that role differently and more maturely. Again, I'm 24, 25 years old. I'm very new into the career world and I'm not totally sure of myself. I was not given any opportunity to shine at all. One of my biggest points was that I had gone to this nonprofit because I wanted to be doing better for the world. And I've never seen such money hungry, greedy people in my whole life. I felt like there was no heart behind any of it. I never heard any like survivor stories or any of that like emotional the things you think when you're not a nonprofit and what you we're, imagine what why nonprofit we're, why we're yeah. doing why we're all together to do what right. we do. Yeah. We're and here for the greater good of this cause that we're serving. None, there was none of it. If it was, it was very, very phony, very like Oh yeah, well we need we need a heartwarming story for everyone. It wasn't right. like, oh my gosh, this family is so special and let me tell you why and I'm gonna have them come in and meet everyone. Like it was none of that. It was it was how much money, how much money did it bring in, how much what's our goal for next year? Maybe that's because I was twenty five and I had a rose colored glasses on, but I thought nonprofits were meant to kind of And the, and this is a huge corporate nonprofit something that this you is would more see. corporate than the corporation I quit <laughs> yes I mean this is this is a company that you might see on a cereal box or yes. oh, right yeah. like a world no. like a national yes uh worldwide a, a huge right huge. so what would you say as a business professional if you were in corporate what is that company lacking on that smaller scale? Because this is, I would imagine that if you talk to the CEO or mm-hmm. whatever about this, how could you fix that problem? Because it sounds like the people that were in charge of your destiny at that company mm-hmm. didn't really have any more experience than you. So they've got a year or two ahead of you and they're going to tell you that you don't have it in you, but yet, yeah. which is an abuse of power. But how could they have stopped that? I think a big part of it is that, and this isn't a new nonprofit by any means, but it it got bigger than big. And when you get that big, you do start to lose touch 
with what is going on at all of your branches. I think I would compare it to like the grassroots five people working to a common goal or a nonprofit. And it's, it's all full of heart and grit and hard work. And they're not taking no for an answer. They're going to mm-hmm. do what they got to do. Passion to achieve this goal together. And then they're going to celebrate it together. All of that was completely stripped away. And it was so corporate. You know, there was just no heart or passion. To me, that was one of the largest issues on every level. I didn't see it anywhere. And I I did visit one other location um, a couple hours away from ours. And, you know, you couldn't get a sense in a day of what it was like. But I do remember thinking, like, they even seemed happier than our office did. And I, I just think there was a culture in our office specifically. I cannot speak on... Other okay. offices, but in our office specifically, there was such an abuse of power and such a hierarchy. It just, it made it such a cold environment. It was all fake, all surface, right. and no heart on any level Which, between coworkers, between uh, volunteers, between survivors which is such a shame because that's what people are giving money to is because they think they're which you're you were i actually don't ever donate to them because (laughs) i'm like there's so many other better nonprofits out there than this one i i just when i see you know the disgusting way that they allow managers to treat Mm -hmm. people i just think there's better there's you know people that work their butts you know what that was the other thing there's people out there that work their butts off in nonprofit or in a cause that they believe in. And they, you know, are tirelessly putting in the hours. I never felt like these girls worked very hard. I never felt like they cared. And I never felt like they were really putting in effort. I really truly didn't. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were kind of going through the motions and they would clock out at two or three o'clock. And it was, that was good enough. And I, I never really felt like anyone was really putting their heart and soul into that role or into that mission or anything ever. I really didn't. It was over overseen by facades and fake relationships mm-hmm. and pseudo titles. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like a complete lack of leadership. Complete, complete lack, of leadership. lack of leadership. You know, and even when the big wigs would come into town, those were all about how are we going to make our goal, but they would throw out a company's name and then they would say, okay, what's their goal? And they would say their goal is 50,000. And they would say, can we make it 80? Can you push for 80? "Mm -hmm." And they would say, sure, we'll push for 80. Okay, cool. Next. And that was what drove the whole place. There was no, Right. I mean, it was literally, I mean, and yeah, it's a business. I get that. Right, right, right. But when you start focusing more on the bottom line and Mm -hmm. not the culture and how you treat your people, you have blinders on with everything going on because we're looking at the bottom line, which I I understand coming from the finance world and as an accountant, I understand that that is important. A lot of leaders and managers miss is that you can't have profitability if you have unhappy employees. Mm -hmm. So number one, are our employees happy? 
Number two, are we profitable? Because how are you going to sustain and maintain if you're relying on human beings to run your business if you have toxicity? Dollar signs in the eyeballs and everything else goes you to shit. You lose sight of yeah. what you were doing it for exactly. in the first place. Right. And yeah. that's, the, that's the shame of it. It is a shame. All right. So you're unhappy. You were only there for a year. Mm-hmm. And how was the exit? Uh, people questioned me like, because again, I'm going into it like, I got my dream job, so F all of you guys. Yeah. And then a year later, I'm going, I want out. Yeah. And, you know, it also made me question me as, like, an employee because my first job out of college, I only lasted a year, and then this one, I only lasted a year, and I'm thinking, like, okay, like, what? <laughs> Am I fulfilling that millennial that hops What's job? wrong with me? Like, right. I, you know, yeah. I thought... Both of them sounded like great jobs. And I'm like, okay, what's wrong with me? And why can't I work for anyone? Maybe I'm not, you know, corporate cloth. And, you know, maybe I'm not. I, you know, I'm not going to step on other people's toes to get ahead. And a lot of that happened there. So when I... um, But you work with heart and passion. I do. I do. And I wish I would have seen that. I would have stayed for sure. But, you know, I didn't feel like I was helping any greater good. I thought I was just putting pennies into their bank <laughs> bank account literally <laughs> so um i had another opportunity um come up and it was a very solid one and it's the one that i'm doing now and i've actually moved up the ranks and you know run it now so yeah i i uh i did have an exit interview with hr from another state you know, Sally from HR who mm. I'd never heard of until that day. And I remember I didn't really tell her the truth because she did say like, now this will get back to your, you know, direct supervisor once you leave. And I really have to say, I hate that HR does that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Because I feel like you don't really say how you feel. How you feel. And um, again, for another podcast, we can talk about it. But the first job that I had that I left after a year, the other toxic workplace, I did tell HR all of the nitty gritty and dirty. And, you know, I didn't feel better afterwards. Yeah. I still don't. I completely understand because when I left my toxic workplace and they asked for an exit interview, I wanted to just say I, I didn't want to even do it. I almost because I knew that doing it, they weren't going to listen to no. me. It was almost like they were going to judge me or find a reason to explain away what I was saying. Like, it, it's not us, it's you. Yeah. Um, it, but I did anyway because my boss was like, will you just do it for me? You know, do me a favor. Yeah. And so I just saved face and, I, you know, I was truthful, but not as truthful as I could have been. So I was not truthful. I said my boss was great. Yeah. And I think I was kind of more of like, I just want to get out of here. Right. And I don't, you know, want to have that bad blood. Yeah. And also, you always think like, oh, it'll feel so good to just tell everyone how it really is. You don't feel better about yourself. It doesn't make it any better. I just said she was great. It's not her. I just have another opportunity. That's not true at all. (laughs) You know, and I don't like to change a lot. I'm like a very thought out, drawn out 
person. I don't make like quick changes. So I would have been there your whole career if if it was the right. Sure. Right. Maybe not in that department, maybe not in the next department, but I probably would have been with that company for my entire career. No question. So now that you're in a company that values you, has allowed you to become a leader, uh, and you realize possibly the things that this toxic workplace tried to make you out to be, try, telling you that you weren't mm-hmm. fit, what would you tell yourself or somebody else in a similar situation? What kind of advice would you give to someone that's dealing with this? Or if you could do it again? If I could do it again, I wish I was the person I am now. I'm the same person, but more mature and more self-assured. And at that age, or just anyone who's like a new person in a career, you are so eager to please that sometimes you can like lose yourself. And I would say to like follow your gut and your intuition and to be yourself and then to be confident in yourself. Hopefully they hired you because they thought you would be a good fit and a great asset to the team for who you are and for being yourself. And when you try to be anything but, I feel like your work suffers, your quality of work suffers, and then the other thing kind of gets affected by Mm -hmm. that. So to me, my biggest thing was just being more confident in myself and then how I was feeling and the way I was feeling was correct. And I, I do have, I mean, looking back on it, I have every right to feel that way. But at the time I kept thinking, well, if I could just be okay with getting everyone's lunches, mm-hmm. you know, then they'll, then they'll right. move me up into the director role. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I think like it, part of it was just that I was so young and. Which made you who you are today going through that and, and realizing that yeah. you have Same. value and, and you're capable. You're For capable. Sure. For sure. I, and you know what? I, I say it now to my employees. I'm not above anything. I'm out sweeping floors and vacuuming rugs. And I'm not even kidding. And scrubbing toilets. I'm not above a damn thing. And no one should ever feel that way. And mm-hmm. if you do, then you've got an issue in my yes, opinion. Absolutely. And I, I don't ever ask my <laughs> employees to do any of those things. I just do on myself because mm-hmm. it's, it's just not right. And it, I'm not just because that's my title or that's my role doesn't mean I'm better than anyone. I'm just another cog in the wheel on the team. And that's how I should have been yes. in the first place. Right. You're there to empower yep. and help promote the business. Yep. And by empowering your employees, you're empowering the business as a whole. And that is the perspective that businesses, managers need to start mm-hmm. realizing. For sure. All right. Well, that's it for this show. Hopefully you got some key takeaways and you're feeling empowered. If you want to find more empowering quotes, you can follow us on Instagram at Toxic Workplace Podcast, and we'll see you next time.